Good morning, everyone. I am Pastor Victor Resendiz. I am one of the pastors here at White's Chapel, and I lead our spiritual formation uh, ministry, our Chandler's Hope Ministry, which is our addiction and recovery uh, ministry that we have available for families and individuals who may be struggling with addiction or, or just needing resources. Uh, I am here with my fellow colleague and brother and friend, uh, Larry Duggins. Larry, do you want to share a little bit about what you do here at White Chapel? Sure. Um, I am the chancellor of the Methodist Collegiate Church, which is the new expression of Methodism that we're forming here as a result of having left the United Methodist Church. And so I spend a fair amount of time working on issues around that. But really, my heart is in the Taze worship that uh, we do together. Um, Taze worship is a very unusual kind of worship. It's something that we're not very familiar with in the West. And the idea is that we come together and we sing um, simple, repetitive songs that are based in Scripture or are based uh, in scriptural ideas. And it is almost meditative. They're very repetitive. They, um, you know, we don't spend a whole lot of time remembering what the next verse is, but rather we are um, uh, having an open space of um, contemplative uh, prayer and including silence uh, together. It's it's a wonderful thing, and it's it's something that we've been doing at White's Chapel for almost 12 years, and uh, it has flown very much under the radar here. Um, we, we, we've been here for a long time, and we've got a group of people who uh, just love it. And uh, one of the things that we're interested in is inviting everyone to participate if they choose. Well, I appreciate I appreciate you introducing us to the Taze concept. And um, in a little bit, I want to ask you a little bit more about the history of it. Um, and then before we get further into the the contemplative services that we're offering here at White's Chapel, um, like you just mentioned, Taze, I, I wanted to have a brief conversation with you of the importance of this as being a complement to what we already do in the life of the church, which is go to our favorite sermon services, uh, our favorite Bible class, all those things that um, create those opportunities for us to continue to grow in our faith. You and I have a unique offering because this is more so of the extensive work of what we call the deeper inner work, right? Um, I tease my, my classes whenever they, um, they first attend and they're curious about the contemplative spiritual classes that we offer. Um, I tell them that I'm their swimming instructor, that I'm going to remove their floaties and that we're going to take them to deeper waters. Um, to make it a bit more simplified and user-friendly. What are your thoughts about the importance of the spiritual formation part of our faith walk? You know, from my perspective, Victor, that this flows back to what it means to be a good listener. Um, a really good listener is someone who um, focuses on the person who's speaking, who um, isn't spending their, all their time uh, developing their response and um, is, is patient and listens as someone else speaks. To me, the contemplative life, the contemplative worship, the contemplative um, a study that we teach and do is a function of the fact that God is a good listener. And 
if we you know anticipate that while we're speaking, God is going to be um, a good listener and not speak back and listen carefully to what we're saying, if all we're doing is giving God a to-do list or um, if all we're singing is um, uh, words of praise that are certainly pleasing to God, but we don't expect God to speak while we're speaking. And so uh, really, in my mind, contemplative um, practice comes down to making space for God to speak. So that's silence. That's um, a song that is repetitive, that allows us to set aside what the next verse is and allows us to get to the place where we can hear God speaking back to us. Um, They they always talk about um, God speaking in that quiet little voice. Well, in order to hear the quiet little voice, um, we have to be not speaking, not actively um, uh, uh, using that facility, not actively engaging our mind so deeply that we don't have space for God to respond back to us. That's correct. And you know what you're describing, I appreciate the description you're giving us because <clears throat> the other thing that I encourage people to consider is that we, we, we tend to operate out of the exterior on our daily lives. And so what, what does that mean? So we're constantly in our, we're, instead of in being in a reflective demeanor, we're constantly in a reactive demeanor. And so our exterior is prompted by our thoughts, our impulses, our just reactive way of, of, of instead of holding back and just allowing that space of stillness, allowing that space of reflection, that, that space of of quietness, like you said, in order for us to listen to where God's Holy Spirit is leading us, guiding us, prompting us, inspiring us, uh, and in some cases, wait, right? There's there's uh, something about our tendency in our prayer life not to be patient to wait. And a lot of the transformation that happens in our lives and deepens our faith walk is that waiting area, right? What we call liminal space. And so I, I really appreciate your description because you're right. Being a good listener allows us to mature into our faith. What we're encouraged by Paul, right? You, you've been drinking milk, got to eat some solid food. Well, but this is the transition of that. It's uh, it's it's allowing ourselves to uh, allow ourselves to just be in the stillness and trust the quiet work of the Holy Spirit, right? Um, and so, even the Psalm, you know, be still and know that I am God. It's an invitation. And so the way I try to encourage folks to consider that is we all have a a rhythm of life. And so we all have our favorite, I don't know, morning devotion we'd sit with or sometimes lunch, whatever it looks like for all of us. It's a different rhythm for all of us, also a different pace of how we're walking in our faith. And so these contemplative spiritual practices allow us to have those times of stillness um, here at the campus, we have a beautiful outdoor labyrinth. That's a walking space that can be used as a prayer meditation space. For those of us that, um, I get this a lot, and I'm sure you do too, oh, well, it's hard for me to sit still. It's like, well, yeah, but there's some walking meditations and you could do that. Many of us practice that. We like to walk our favorite trails here in the DFW area or parks or whatever. You're already doing it. Like People don't realize they're already doing contemplative practices it's just they they're not familiar with the maybe the language of it would you would you agree with something I, I like agree that? completely and yeah. another resource that we have right on campus that that uh 
people don't uh, take advantage of as much as they should is, is we, in the little uh, woods space at the back of uh, the the main parking lot, we've got a little trail through the woods mm-hmm. that um, reflects the, the stations of the resurrection uh, where we can um, uh, follow the activities of Christ um, after the resurrection before his assumption into heaven. Right. And it, it's a beautiful little trail mm-hmm. and it, it takes – I don't know as long as you want it to, but if you've got ten minutes, mm-hmm. um, it's a, it's a beautiful way to take a moment to do it in the shade mm-hmm. and to be able to um, just reflect. Right, especially right now with now the weather is yeah, pleasant. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So we're not promoting for you to go out there during June or July. <laughs> don't do that. Um, it just just one more one more uh, element of the contemplative lifestyle, Larry. And I know you will you will agree with me on this. Um, when you start to lean in towards it, it generally changes the way even your the way you're experiencing God. Um, it becomes this daily awareness of God's presence in everything that we do, and it it takes away that illusion of separation from me. That that when I come in on Sunday morning, it's a pep rally because I'm celebrating already what it, what God has done for me on a daily basis rather than come in Sunday to feel in, so to speak. Wouldn't you agree that that's part I, I, of— I do agree with that. It's funny. Even as little children in Sunday school, we're taught that we have Jesus in our heart. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a revelation to many, especially adult people, that, hey, we've got Jesus in our heart. Right. Uh, you know, the Holy Spirit right. is present within us. And if we're functioning completely uh, on the exterior, um, we miss that. We don't. We don't understand it. It it all goes to a maturing mm-hmm. that recognizes. Wait a minute. If this God that I say I believe in is real, right? This God that I say I believe in is actually physically present right. with me right. in my interior life at this instant. Right. And that realization and nurturing that that um, awareness of the presence of God inside and outside That's acting right. around you um, is transformative. Um, you, you all of a sudden get a whole new understanding of what it means to never be alone. Um, you get a different understanding about what it means for God to be with you. Um, God doesn't show up when something bad happens. Mm -hmm. God is there already, present with you alongside. And contemplative worship, contemplative practice allows you to um, refine that um, understanding of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit That's in your body. And so, yes. yeah, it's yeah. its important, it's significant, and it changes um, the practice of Christianity from one that is purely exterior to one that is exterior that flows from an interior recognition of the presence of God. That's correct. And and everything you're defining, Larry, goes along with our even our Wesleyan doctrine, the sanctification of grace, right? Yeah. And so that's a daily inner work, and it, it's a lifetime work. So that's the beauty of it, that I get to dive into God's grace on a daily basis with no condemnation and no guilt because I am being transformed, allowing this 
stillness to transform me, right? Absolutely. And then at the same time, speaking of the Holy Spirit, you and I both know that it is within this contemplative space that we allow ourselves to be in the quietness, the stillness, that then we get inspired to take action into the world. Yep. And then we lend our voice, whatever that voice looks like, right? Whether it's our resources, whether it's our gifts, our talents, whatever it is. But now we're contributing to this big cause that we call the Great Commission. And and so when we start leading a rhythm of life that way, uh, it, there is this, um, we're all seeking for meaning, right? Then it becomes real. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I also talk about in my classes is that all the wonderful things that we've learned in our Bible studies, in the sermons that we hear, all that information is wonderful. It's That's the knowledge that we get to celebrate in our faith. But then the question is, how are we experiencing that, right? And so the experience comes more for the core of our of our soul, which is where these contemplative practices complement the things that we know. And so it's a it's a nice divine dance, if we want to call it that. Absolutely. Right? And then the lifestyle becomes that. Uh, so you're constantly inspired. And even during the trials, you're authentic about it because then you're able to know where your resources are, especially coming in the in a good, healthy confession in front of God and saying, here I am, these are the blind sides, these are the things that I'm recognizing that I need to continue to allow you to mature me in or trans- transform me in, whatever that prayer looks like. But it's an authentic walk now rather than this um, acquiring or trying to you know, gather this greatness of Christianity because we're still flesh and bone. So um, I appreciate this conversation so much. And now I do want to tie it into the services that we offer. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about the history of the Taze service, where it comes from? Sure. And then, and, then, um, and then at one point, I want to hear where your life began to shift towards this contemplative lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Two different questions. Yes. Um, Taze is a little town in central France um, between Paris and Lyon. And just before World War II, a small group of four or five young men decided that they wanted to live a monastic lifestyle. And so one of them had a, an, an inheritance of a small farm uh, there in Tazay. And so these five guys went uh, different um, uh, branches of Christianity, by the way. They weren't all Catholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, went and formed uh, a small monastic community among the five of them. Well, Soon after they had formed, uh, World War II began, and uh, it became uh, really important for French Jews especially to be able to leave the country um, uh, as it was occupied. And so the brothers of Tizay um, spent two years helping refugees um, get to Switzerland out, mm-hmm. outside of um, occupied France. Ultimately, the Gestapo uh, figured out who they were, and uh, uh, they very narrowly escaped into Switzerland themselves. And then after the war, um, they came back to the farm and helped people to come back uh, into France from their places of exile. Uh, They began to grow a little bit, and they um, started having a daily office where they would uh, do Gregorian chant every uh, – several hours uh, Mm -hmm. through five times through the day. Mm -hmm. And they 
were good at it, and people um, started coming to listen to them doing that. But it bothered the brothers there that that they were almost performers, that mm-hmm. they were, uh, you know, people weren't singing along in Latin. Mm-hmm. Um, it just wasn't wasn't what they uh, sure. were prepared to do, and so. The brothers began to develop these songs that they sang in the languages of the people who came um, that were based on scripture and in the form of chant. Um, And so they would sing in French or they would sing in Dutch or they would sing uh, in English. And um, more and more people came because they realized that this could be an interactive experience for them and that mm-hmm. they could uh, sing along and um, experience this kind of meditative chant um, that, that you get in the Gregorian chant or the other ancient chants, but at, in a language that meant, made sense to them mm-hmm. or in a, a, a context that made sense for them. The, the community grew and grew and grew, and it became very um, focused on young adults. And so um, now there's a huge um, uh, field next to the farm where hundreds and hundreds of young people from all over the world come and camp out in the field to be able to attend the Taze worship. And, and in fact, if you're a, a, an older adult, if you're over 30 years old and you want to go and, and stay on site at Taze, mm-hmm. you have to bring five people under 30 with you. Mm. Okay. Mm. So, so uh, I, the first time I went, I was 50, mm. but luckily I had uh, a double handful of young people along oh, and was able to, to go and stay. And right. so um, the, the, we, we worship uh, in this form uh, on Wednesday nights in uh, the, um, what used to be the Founders Chapel and is, is now John Blank. The uh, Walton's the, Chapel. Walton's Chapel. Walton's Goodness, Chapel, yes. I, yeah, that, okay. I, I love it when we change names. <laughs> I've, I've been at White's Chapel for almost 30 years, and so I knew some of the old names. Right. Uh, point is, is that um, we, we, in that beautiful little chapel, that beautiful little space, uh, we come with the amazing musicians that come with White's mm, Chapel. That's great. And um, we um, sing and pray and um, receive the Lord's Supper right. all together uh, in, in a 45-minute or so service on Wednesday night. You can, you can really make an evening of it. If you come and have dinner and then come to Tizé yes. and then go to a class afterwards, right. it, it, it fits beautifully. And it's a wonderful way to be able to experience Christian meditation in a way that um, deepens your relationship with the Holy Spirit who's yes. with you. And, you know, and I appreciate you uh, holding this, that space. Um, and I got to tell you uh, just a quick story. Once in a while, I get to suffer Larry, but Larry does a great job with the uh, singing. <laughs> I haven't gotten to that point. I want people to continue to be drawn to the space. So that's not going to happen. So I just recite the prayers rather than sing them. So, I love it. But I appreciate you. Um, calling me to stop once in a while. Um, and I'm, I'm going to change my question. Why was this meaningful for you to bring this to White's Chapel when you brought it? Yeah, it, it it's, it's very funny when I, I the first um, 
two-thirds of my professional life were in the field of finance. I, I was a banker. I ran a company that did um, very specialized bond investment. Um, spent a long time doing that. And in 2008, I received a very specific call to ministry from from the Holy Spirit. It was, mm-hmm. I was one of those lucky people that it was crystal clear for. Mm-hmm. And um, so I went to seminary and I knew from the very beginning that I was not called to do what everybody else had done. Right. Um, I was not called just to, to I, I say just to be, no, to be a pastor in the way that most of us um, serve as pastors. Mm-hmm. But I, I needed to look at the margins. I needed to be um, uh, taking the real estate knowledge that I had and applying it to what, what was going on. And so that led me to um, uh, look at the edges of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And, and as a, at the end of my first year at Perkins, I went on an immersion trip uh, with Elaine Heath and Michael Hahn uh, to Iona and mm-hmm. to um, – kind of the borderlands of England mm-hmm. and um, Scotland. Mm-hmm. And that experience with um, contemplative worship at Iona and um, to a lesser extent, but a real extent in the Northumbria communities on the other side of the, of, of the country really opened my eyes to the power of contemplative mm-hmm. worship and the power of contemplative practice. And so I, I, really started my my contemplative quest at there mm-hmm. and um I, you know, I I went back over and over and over again and started um bringing people with me to go to Iona to have that experience but but another aspect of my training at Perkins was exposure to um Taze. and I loved the way that it worked. Mm-hmm. And so um, I uh, went with a group from Perkins to uh, to, to Zay, spent a week there, and was able to develop a relationship with several of the brothers of Taze. Um, we, in fact, uh, at one point at White's Chapel, and it's been 10, 12 years mm-hmm. ago, mm-hmm. I invited Brothers of Taze to come and uh, worship with us over a weekend wow. to be able to provide this um, uh, to people from all over. We we literally have hundreds of people come from the so- all over the Southwest mm-hmm. to worship with us with the Brothers of mm-hmm. Taze. Uh, I then was able to take another group back. And so I've been uh, twice or three times mm-hmm. to um, Taze. To, to watch the way that they do it. Right. And I, I just knew that we had to bring it back. That's and wonderful. so the second time I went, I was able to bring Clint Blaylock mm-hmm. with me. Mm-hmm. One and, of our musicians. Uh-huh. Right. And, and Clint is such a talented musician mm-hmm. and is um, a, a deeply spiritual, mm-hmm. wonderful man. And he got it wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. And so he and I worked together uh, uh, to be able to um, build this up. And, and um, uh, Denise Crane uh, joined with us very quickly and, and helped. Um, and the, the three of us, uh, gosh, along with Peggy Sward, who was uh, really important mm-hmm. in this as well, um, put together uh, a, a first, first form of Tizay worship mm-hmm. here. 
and we modified it um, to fit kind of the spaces that we had and the flow that we have and the needs of our people uh, and have, have, have come to a pattern now that we're very comfortable with. Right. Uh, Clint and Todd Porter and I have actually written um, music in the style of Tizé mm-hmm. that we mm-hmm. use. Um, we um, have, have done translations of our own so that we can sing in English when it's not necessary sure. to sing in no, another absolutely. language. Right. Um, and a, the, the long and short of it is that um, uh, it just was so important to me mm-hmm. to incorporate the ideas of pilgrimage, which we haven't talked about, but right. that, that's where Iona is, right. and the ideas of, of Tizé worship right. because they fit so well with uh, spiritual formation right. and development work that Betsy Godbold was doing and that now you do mm-hmm. uh, in a way that, that really encourages and um, right. strengthens people who are trying to go deeper and deeper. Right. I appreciate that uh, because you and I both know that leading this type of contemplative lifestyle, the immediate uh, desire for us is for others to find the same thing in their lives. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it different. I, I remember uh, walking a, a more maybe surfaced way of faith was more self-consumed, selfish, you know, more self-centered. But but this type of contemplative lifestyle has led me to genuinely align myself to God's compassion and within even the flaws, the human flaws that I still have. Uh, but the ultimate desire is I want, I want people to find this depth in their own walk. And, and so that's why I asked that question. So I, I appreciate you telling us that because it is a meaningful space for so many folk. It's, it's really interesting, Victor, that, that this process of, of wanting people to find what we have found and what we are finding mm-hmm. in this practice is an entirely different focus on evangelism than um, we're, we're accustomed to mm-hmm. thinking of right. ev- evangelistic right. approach. Uh, you know, for, for many of our um, brothers and sisters who are more evangelical, they're very focused on 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 getting people to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, right. which is a really important thing. Right. Obviously, it's That's it's right. critical to be able to right. invite people into relationship with God. But what we're doing is catching them at the point where that relationship is beginning and helping them to be able to encounter the depth of what that relationship means. Uh, Deeply Wesleyan, as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. growing in sanctification, Mm -hmm. um, but but it's the next step of evangelism to help people grow deeper and deeper. Right. And that's why I love what St. Francis of Sisi says. He says, when you preach, use words if you have to, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I love that. I want to talk a little bit about our other space, Oasis, and this takes place in Grace Chapel at noon every Tuesday. And it's it also has a component of stillness, a quiet space of reflection. And in this space, I specifically, um, I use uh, the practice of Lexio Divina, which is um, generally the more basic way of describing is praying with Scripture. Um, so I use scripture, I use poetry, I use prayers, um, um, I use what we call the examine questions, and these are questions very similar to what has been soul, soul giving to you today and what has been soul 
uh, taking today or life giving versus life taking uh, things like that to allow people to have some time to just sit with those thoughts of reflections. Um, I use obviously music. Uh, and this is a space what we call a space that you can come and just slow down during your very busy week. And during this half hour from 12 to 1230 on Tuesdays, you can come to Grace and just allow yourself to slow down, allow yourself to know that the to-do list that you left by coming to uh, to Grace Chapel will still be there after the 30-minute uh, respite that you take. And so we're, we're encouraging you to take advantage of these spaces that are available for you to start genuinely walk yourself into this depth that's available for all of us. Um, there is that concept of the beloved children of God, and I mm-hmm. constantly remind people that we can embrace that on a daily basis, that we are the beloved. And then the prompting, like you and I are talking about, Larry, is to let others know about their belovedness. But we can't experience that if we're always talking to God, being busy, you know, again, just to recap, um, operating out of our exterior life versus the interior to the exterior, right? It's it, one of the things I love about Oasis, Victor, is that um, it is um, multi-sensory. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you're not just processing uh, a thought, somebody else's thoughts in your mind. Mm-hmm. You're not just speaking or, or, or doing what we normally do in conversation or even in other forms of worship. Um, we're offered... Uh, beauty in the form of videos to see. We're offered beautiful music. We're offered um, poetry that addresses us in a different way. We're offered uh, things to feel and mm-hmm. to um, uh, utilize in ways that are atypical for um, worship experiences. And it's 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 lovely. I attend whenever I possibly yeah, can. And, and I appreciate you saying that. And, and that is the whole intentionality of these spaces is for you to have an invitation of what just Larry said, something that's atypical in order for you to generally um, experience God's presence in a holistic manner, mind, body, and soul, because that is the way it's meant to be. And I think those of us that are already in that pilgrimage understand that. And because of that, again, that fervent desire for others to find that as well. Uh, I can't thank you enough for this conversation, Larry. Um, I want to do another on the Iona experience because I got to go this June, and I definitely want to have an extensive conversation of what that entails. Uh, but, in the me- but in the meantime, um, thank you for bringing Taze to Weiss Chapel. Thank you for supporting Oasis, and we just want to encourage all of you to um, just come and give it a just come and experience it. I mean, that's all we can tell you because. Um, there's not necessarily a, a gimmick sell to it except come and experience it. And, and it's like your favorite restaurant. Once you find the ambiance, you're recommending it to everyone. Uh, so we appreciate all of you that are already attending uh, and those that have not, just come and check it out. See see what it's all about. And again, thank you, Larry, for this conversation. It's absolutely my pleasure. Blessings, friend. We will see you all soon.